and welcome to the Professional Reflexology Podcast. I'm Olivia Hart. I'm a reflexologist, a tutor and a part of the PR team. This podcast is all about reflexology and some of the wonderfully inspirational people that have shaped it into what it is today. Before we get going, a little bit about us. Professional Reflexology is a UK-based membership and education organisation passionate about spreading the word of this wonderful therapy. To find out more about what we do, please visit www.professionalreflexology.org. So this is our first podcast of 2020 and is another very important one for reflexology and complementary therapies in general. The reactions from you all to our last podcast with the amazing Angie Hobbs were quite overwhelming and it was so great to see it being shared and commented on from all over the world. Her background in science and philosophy provided such a unique take on her attitudes and approach to reflexology and her journey with the therapy. If you haven't checked it out already, make sure you do. We wanted to follow up that episode with another unique take on reflexology. This time, our special guest is Dr. Julia Boone, who not only runs a very busy practice in the Midlands, but also trained as a reflexologist and is a huge supporter of it. As we all know, the relationship between complementary therapies and the medical profession has often been a point of contention, so this podcast is another must-listen for lots of us. Her views on sceptics, how complementary therapies could help the NHS in the future, and how she uses reflexology herself are definitely something to be heard. Just to say as well, at one point when discussing reflexology in pregnancy, Julia and Martin mentioned SPD, which stands for Symphysis Pubis Dysfunction. So, join Dr. Boone talking with PR's Martin Fink now on the PR podcast. Okay, so Julia, before we start, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and what you do and where you're from and so on, so the, the people listening at home can know what's going on? Okay, so I'm a GP at a local surgery. Um, we have about 17,000 patients and we're split on two sites. Um, so one's at Gillsborough and one's at Brixworth. I've been there for 28 years now, which is a long time. And yes, there've been a lot of changes in that time in the 28 years I've been there, but um, I still love doing general practice. I mean, you've got a big, big surgery and it's 18,000 people. It's a lot of people, isn't it? It is a lot of people. Yeah. Mm. How many doctors now? There are six partners and three salary doctors. Um, and then we have medical students and we have registrars as well. Mm. So there's a lot of us. How would a normal day go for you? A normal day? <laughs> yeah, up at about half past six in work for quarter past seven. Um, some days we do an early surgery. So at the moment I'm doing an early on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So that can be starting you know, start at seven. Um, seeing patients. Other days it's not until half past eight, but we always go in early, try and do um, administrative stuff. We have a meeting at quarter past eight with all our other colleagues for a cuppa um, and then start work, uh, say, on a, on a normal day at half past eight, but um, on the odd days we do a seven o'clock session. I'm lucky to get a lunch break, really. I sometimes have about 10 minutes to have a quick, make a quick cuppa and nip upstairs. Visits on the whole tend to be done by the registrars and um, salary doctors because being one of the partners, I just don't get much time. Yeah. Um, and then the afternoons, we either go on till about, um, well, the surgery finishes at half four, but then we have phone calls. So it normally goes on till half past five um, and that's on a, a quieter day. 
on my long day i work until half past seven at night so yeah long long sessions it is a long session. and we do some saturdays and sundays as well yeah yeah yeah. How are you finding things like like government saying you've got to work on the say over weekends and we run were, surgeries over weekends? We were horrified, I have to say. We all just thought none of us felt we could do any more really than we already did. Yeah. Having said that, um, we jiggled things around and as it panned out, because we share the extra hours with, with other practices, um, we only have to do two late surges on a Tuesday and a Thursday evening to a half past eight. Um, we do one Saturday a fortnight, only eight till half eleven, and one Sunday a month, eight till eleven thirty. So yeah, it's not as bad okay. as we thought it was going to yeah. be. Okay, I mean we're lucky as reflexologists because we've got bags of time to see somebody. You've got you've got what ten fifteen minutes or so to. We used to have ten, mm-hmm. and I must admit, um, now I'm senior partner. I'm trying to kind of make a few changes, and we were all running at least three quarters of an hour late. Mm. Um, so we're gradually lengthening our consultation times. So we now um, do a 12 and a half minute consultation. <laughs> so we basically just block off. Actually, no, no, they are on as 12 minute appointments now. But yes, just to give us a little bit longer with the patient. We still run a little bit over. And so my next move is to go to 15 minute consultations. Yeah. So normally, I'm presumably you get the the usual sort of thing that at twelve and a half minutes somebody says, "Actually, what I really came for was," and you can't throw them out. Can you, you can't. You really no. can't. And none of us. I mean, we're we're all quite a young team, and none of us would do that really. So, but it does mean that we we all tend to run late. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid the patients, patients, most of them are very, very good and don't seem to mind. But it, it's not good if you're running an hour late because it does mean that, you know, it is then difficult to do all your admin work or do visits. So, yeah. I and mean, we've got to catch up somehow or another, sometime or another during the day. Yeah. 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 Very difficult. So has it changed much since you became GP since you qualified? Yes. I mean, when I first qualified, we used to finish about <clears throat> half past 10, 11 o'clock. Um, mm. and have a cuppa and then go off and do visits. Um, so, yes, I think there's a lot more pressure on GPs now. Patients with the internet know a lot more. They Google things. They're more informed. They want to, they have, you know, and that means you have a longer consultation. Mm. Um, I mean, so, they ac- are they accurately informed? or um, Not always, <laughs> but you have to be polite and gentle with them. But, yes, I mean, yeah. Um <laughs> 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 when you were training, I mean, we presumably training with, with other trainee doctors and one thing and another, mm-hmm. what, what was the perception or how did you feel about complementary therapies? Was it something you were taught or, or taught not, about? Not at all. Hmm? No, I, I don't think I'd even, I don't think I'd even had a, just even a massage, I hadn't, you know, hadn't, yeah. no, hadn't entered my head really when I was training um, and certainly wasn't in the medical school, wasn't mentioned in medical school, no. Do you think that's changed now? Oh, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah there's the general perception of, of complementary therapies from our point of view. Yes, I think so. It, so. I, I think there's a lot more emphasis on well-being, mental health, and not just for your patients, but for your staff and, and doctors as well. So, yes, there are a lot more sessions open to GPs, really, from colleagues that are actually wanting to do mindfulness. So you can actually access those online now, um, webinars. So, yeah, there's a lot more talked about mindfulness. Probably not reflexology, but having said that, in our practice, some of my colleagues are really quite 
quite keen on it and we've got um, footings although they might need to be redone because they're a bit old but we've got footings and want to build a, a well-being centre so that will involve complementary therapies um, oh, that's good and, and even you know I've got a sports therapist that um, has been doing sessions with me and just chatting to her she's from essentially from London and in their surgery they have a well-being centre and do complementary therapies so I think it's a lot more you know it's a lot more accessible now than it ever used to be yes oh yes bit by bit I think mm. what we see is, is mm. certainly the case in terms of, of when you discovered reflexology when you first came across it how did that happen I think it was partly one of my partners in the practice said that she was having it for well-being and she mentioned Wendy and I suppose yes it's the the sceptical side of you thinks "Hmm, I wonder you know I wonder what that's like I wonder what that entails and Wendy offered me a I think came to see me as a patient offered me a, a, a free session and I thought yeah I'll take her up on that I had a free session thought oh this is lovely and it went from there really. Yeah so you were sort of drawn towards it from from other people's ideas of how it would go Mm. yeah good Mm. uh for for those of you listening just to explain if i can that wendy is wendy fink of three shards reflexology okay julia um you trained as a reflexologist as part of cpd i did now (laughs) unusual but uh did your perception of the therapy alter during your training was it as you thought it was going to be it was fascinating, really. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It made me look at um, anatomy and physiology again, which I hadn't done for years and years. Not that, that things had been forgotten, but it was just interesting to actually yeah. learn again as such. Yes, I did. I, I it was lovely networking with other people, and I think there were there were quite a few parts that I hadn't even thought about in terms of we talked about um in the training we talked about colors i remember we did a session where we had to close our eyes and that that kind of that we we sensed energy um from from other people kind of you know being near us and things like that i can't remember what they were were the um chakras chakras that's the word (laughs) that's the word yeah so that was all i found that really fascinating and i think that just made me think more about how much complementary therapy you know how much is unknown to me and and how much more there must be out there really oh that's um, right i mean yeah. it, it, i'm a reflexologist and i tend to think that reflexology is is the best of the bunch but of course there's all sorts of things going on that i know nothing about in in, mm. in um, terms of complementary therapy which i'm not knowing anything about and it's quite normal for me anyway but not to worry about <laughs> that one um so <laughs> Is there anything specific that you could say reflexology training did for you? I think it made me think about it more. Um, it it actually brought me quite a few... F- I mean, they were friends before, but it, I think it, it brought a closer relationship between me and my children because they absolutely... Certainly my son absolutely loves it. Mm. And every time he comes home from university or wherever he's been, the first almost the first evening he wants to have a reflexology oh, session. So I think... I think, um, yeah, in terms of bonding with, with my family, I think that, that that was remarkable, really. And I also did sessions for my um, in-laws and, you know, um, parents. And mm. so, yeah, I think from that side of things, it was, it was really useful... And obviously doing the sessions with colleagues at work, 
I think that that kind of developed a, a stronger relationship with them as well because they really enjoyed Did it. Did that start to to make them think more about the, the, yes. about reflexology? Yeah, definitely. I keep saying reflexology. I mean complementary therapies in general, but yeah. reflexology is, is yep. particular to us. Yeah. Um, at this point, of course, I have to ask if you still have reflexology yourself. I certainly do. As <laughs> often, yeah, I I have probably a session every couple of months having kind of chatted to my life coach she kind of said why do you leave it so long she said this seems to be a pattern you end up kind of feeling a bit overwhelmed and overstretched and then you think oh I must contact Wendy and see if she can squeeze me in so she said you know I really ought to actually kind of pre-book so when I come for one session book it book the next one rather than wait until I'm feeling exhausted and need another session quickly so yeah no I love them yeah, really, so I hope all really you good. people listening are, are taking note of that, that you should always book your session up in advance. Okay. <laughs> Over the years, I've treated a number of medical professionals and medicine by its very nature is, is of a scientific nature. How do you rationalise reflexology with that, that standpoint? Yes, medicine is scientific and that's what you learn at medical school in terms of the physiology and pharmacology and things like that. But actually, there's a huge element to medicine and being a GP that isn't particularly scientific. So by that, I mean, we quite often go by gut feeling. Are you allowed to say that? Not really, (laughs) but I'm going to. So I think, you know, and we say that to our trainees, you know, if you have a a concern or you think well he they look all right all the investigations are normal but I'm really not happy then you know go along with your gut feeling and and investigate further or refer them so you know yes things are it's meant to be very scientific but there are lots of areas and there in medicine we haven't got answers for everything either so you know sometimes we have to say at this moment in time I don't have an answer for that but maybe in 10 years we will so you know and, and reflexology I love because it's not I mean I'm not very good with taking tablets um I tend to be a bit pathetic in terms of having side effects and, you know, even ibuprofen, aspirin, you know, I feel sick after. So I'm actually, I'm all for looking for other therapies that don't actually involve, you know, having to take something. Yeah, yeah. And the side effects thereof. You were saying gut feeling there, and it's something that we always try to tell our students, you know, go with your gut feeling. Mm. I mean, you can can learn everything. One of the problems with, with reflexology training can either be very strict and very relatively short, Mm -hmm. Or you can try to help to develop somebody's ability to do this. And gut feeling takes a great part in that. Mm. It really is extremely, mm. extremely powerful. powerful to use. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned energies earlier. Is it something you'd ever come across before or is it ever mentioned? No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it always strikes me odd because sometimes you can... You can, you can see you're in a room with somebody and they leave and somehow the energy goes out of the room. Mm. So it, 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 mm. it's, it, it's explicable in those sort of mm, terms. Definitely. And, and we use it all the time. And the colours as well. That, mm. that is just fascinating. You know, I can be lying there and and um, different colours will come in into my head or, you know, as you're going off to sleep, if you've been anxious about something or you, I, you know, yeah, it's, it's very, very clever really just just I don't know how it works but it it does Mm -hmm. I remember um, I had to have a little operation and I was really worried about you know being on the other side we're often kind of more anxious than than normal patients well you know what goes on that's the reason yeah and um (laughs) 
um, Wendy gave me a few sessions and told me to think of the colour pink. And I, I was lying there, you know, worrying about having the Renflon put in um, because they normally miss the first few times. Um, and um, I just kept thinking about clouds and the colour pink. And I, I sailed to it. I actually mm-hmm. just thought, wow, this is just amazing, really. Um, colour is powerful. I know my father, he, he understood energy, mm-hmm. basically, but I had no idea what to do with it. Um, and he told me a story that of um, an experiment was done, I think it probably as far back as the 1950s, where four guys had worked together for donkey's years in a room, mm-hmm. and it was probably a sort of a fairly um, neutral, coloured, beigey sort of room. And over the weekend, it was painted red, and by the middle of Monday, they were at each other's throats, mm-hmm. and they'd been friends together for years. Mm-hmm. So, so ch- colours are good can be very powerful definitely and i think we could all perhaps do some more experimentation with that yeah um what do you say to colleagues who still take the hard line against complementary therapies i i try and encourage them to try it really Mm. um yes i mean with the the store you know the odd colleague at work who who you know poo-poos it and just just thinks it's um you know that yeah there's no scientific basis to it and it, it's not going to work but um i think gradually as other complementary therapies come into play and mindfulness and meditation mm. i think as they start looking at that hopefully it'll open up their eyes and they'll think well actually there, there may be some benefit in trying other other therapies as well really um but i'm quite lucky that there's quite a few of the colleagues already um, new colleagues that are quite interested and and you know do have sessions, so hopefully it'll it'll filter through. Yeah, is it the younger ones particularly? Do you think, or is is it a development that's that's happening within um, professional together? I just wonder whether it's more. Um, I mean, I had a colleague today that I was teaching, um, and she's probably about fifteen years younger than I am. And um, I mentioned that I was coming to talk about reflexology, and she said that she does acupuncture, and she mm. she'd done a course in acupuncture. So I think um, it, I think it is probably the younger trainees and registrars that are coming through that are possibly um you know looking at other um complementary therapies um whereas i think it's possibly the old school that that you know haven't been there haven't addressed it and don't really want to that are more difficult to educate i think personally from my experience it does seem to have changed in the time i've been a reflexologist but uh i remember somebody coming into the clinic oh it's got to be 15 years ago elderly lady I think probably towards the late 80s, and she'd been in pain for a long time. Mm. And she said, "Could you? would you be able to do anything for me? Well, of course, you don't really know until you've done a treatment. And because of her age and everything else, I, I, I booked her in to see Wendy. Mm. She then went to see her doctor, who said to her, uh, who told her, the doctor that she was going to see um, a reflexologist, and the, and the doctor said, well, if you want to waste your money, my dear, you carry on. Which I thought was, uh, from rude. our point of view, was, mm. was yeah, having mm. made up an in actual mm. fact, she was pain-free. Mm. I think she had about mm. four sessions. So mm. um, we don't claim to cure, but we can mm. occasionally help, let's put mm. it that way. No, I've sent quite a few patients your way and they've, you know, they've been mm. delighted. So. Touch wood. Yes. Touch wood. Yeah. So I, you going to conferences and one thing and another, presumably get to speak to loads of doctors and different sides of the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Do you find with them that their perception of complementary therapies is 
is growing. The, 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 their knowledge of it is growing. I have to say, it's not really something that I would probably have yeah. talked about in the kind of networking. We have um, what they call PLT sessions, so protected learning time sessions, okay. where the surgeries are closed. And um, so we have them either in-house sessions, probably about two a year, and then probably three or um, where you meet up in a locality um, venue, either, you know, to... Um, rugby club or a, a hotel or whatever um but unfortunately the um the educational kind of purpose of that tends to be clinical stuff so they'll have clinicians sure. that come and and give their um, spiel on the latest thing on urology or orthopedics so there isn't from the ones that i've been to really there's no there's no kind of yeah n- nothing about complementary therapy at all but i mean there's no reason why it can't be introduced do you see within practice areas where complementary therapies are becoming more useful to you? I mean, I I kind of encourage patients quite often when they if they don't want medication to to try um, other alternative therapies and reflexology tends to be my my number one. Um, so you know, certainly with children with with kind of behavioural problems, sleep patterns, anxiety, um, menopausal women. You know, there's a lot of areas that, um, and I always broach it very kind of carefully and, and just say, you know, you might not be open to this, but um, I think this would be a really good avenue for you to try. Um, and, you know, some of them do, not all of them, but those that have, have, um, you know, I get, you know, very positive feedback. You run a clinic for family planning, I understand. Yes, we have um, one once a month. Um, it's mainly for, for kind of training purposes. But being one of the um, the older women in the practice, I get a lot of the contraceptive side of things. Um, patients tend to come to me with all their menopausal concerns and, and worries. And um, I'm one of the instructing doctors in the Faculty for Sexual and Reproductive Health, which is a, a side of general practice I, I love. We have quite a lot of courses um, that are based in London. So I think thinking of kind of complementary therapy and trying to introduce it into general practice and um, to the, the medical profession, that will probably be a, a, an easier starting point than in the usual clinical sessions that we have um, locally. They're just much more open to, to, you know, alternative therapies. And yeah, I think certainly in women's health, that would be an area that it would be um, very useful. Well, I, I've always found in practice the fertility problems seem to be helped by reflexology. Yeah. I'm trying very hard not to say that it, it, it can actually improve it, but it, it seemed to be helped by reflexology and also during pregnancy. It's mm. an area I've, I was really enjoyed treating through pregnancy mm. because it just seemed to make life so much easier. So what would you use reflexology for in pregnancy? Well, things like the, the usual sorts of things, the headaches, the backaches, the, the general hormonal things that happen. And another area which seems to work is with SPD. Usually if somebody comes to a reflexologist about 25 weeks, it's already too mm. late. But what oh, okay. we can do is early on from 14, 15 weeks is to actually strengthen the area. Mm. And what I always did with somebody who was pregnant would you could actually watch them, or always have them go in front of me and watch mm. how they were walking, whether there's, it, you get to the stage where you begin to be able to look and see whether or not somebody's likely to develop it. Brilliant. I started treating for it right from the go mm. uh, when I discovered this. And subsequently, nobody actually ever developed SPD after having had the treatment in the first place. 
no, I've strengthening never, treatment. never known about reflexology for SPD. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But it, it tends to be subsequent to... Um, yeah, but you have to get them early. Yeah, mm. correct. Thank you. So we all know doctors have real time constraints. I mean, you're talking early, you've got mm. 12 and a half minutes or something. Do you think complementary therapies could help in the long run or is it something that is just the, the NHS is now so crowded and so underfunded that you have no, problems No, I think there? It, it's definitely um, something that, that would it'd be great if they did look at it. I mean, it just... It, just in the word complimentary I mean it actually mm. would complement our practice wouldn't it really so if we've only got 12 and a half minutes to to try and um, see patients and help them um, you know it'd be great if they could you know then be offered some reflexology as well and not have to pay for it well often it comes with with um, in palliative care in hospitals yeah but you get one or two treatments Yes, I don't think they get many. No. Um, I mean, lymphedema, we can only refer to the palliative care hospitals. Um, and I think they do some reflexology for, for them. But yes, I, I think, as you say, it's only a couple of sessions, which just isn't enough. And if it's lymphedema and it's not related to cancer, we have, we have no, there's, there's no um, place to refer know. them. Nothing. Which is why I tend to refer them for reflexology. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, are you referring or are you recommending? Recommend. I'm not allowed to refer, am I? So, yeah, I recommend. I mean, what, what happens? Why is re- referral not a feasible thing? Is it? I've always thought it was something to do with insurance. Um, it, it's basic. Yes, I think basically, um, if I were to refer somebody um, to a, a complementary therapy that hasn't actually got um, the medical profession's backing, then we aren't covered. If anything were to go wrong, well, then we aren't covered. If you know the, the patient could turn around and sue us for referring them to somebody that hasn't um you know got the, the medical profession's backing mm. so that's okay. why there's all this kind of ambiguity and, and we're allowed to refer to physiotherapists but we're not allowed to refer to chiropractors or osteopaths oh is that right mm. oh. it's just a historical thing with with that side of it really but um yeah, it does seem a bit ludicrous it's something to do with statutory regulation and, and it voluntary. will be yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, chiropractors and, and osteopaths now are statutorily regulated. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, as you say, traditionally they weren't. Mm. Do you think that reflexology and complementary therapies within the NHS currently do purely because of funding, or do you think that that maybe in the future this will change? There's bound to be some politics, aren't there? You know, there's bound to be, you know, people in in the um, the BMA, the British Medical Association, and and maybe you know that are regulatory bodies. Um, so you've got to obviously get their backing before it would be able to, you know, be be kind of brought into the NHS. Um, I would hope long term that it, it will come about. Really, um, you know, acupuncture certainly kind of. Allow you know in, within physiotherapy, they're allowed to do acupuncture. So why why shouldn't they be allowed to to bring in reflexology really or other yeah. complementary therapies? Um, I've always thought of that as um, from the medical profession's point of view is well, you, if you're sticking a needle in, it's fairly akin to being a doctor, but mm. but, but maybe not, maybe not. We can cut that bit out anyway. Can't we? <laughs> <laughs> we can chop anything off you like. <laughs> no, I, it must be. From a doctor's point of view, if you are sceptical, really frustrating because how long does it take to become a GP? Uh, So it's five years at university, uh, another year in the hospital, and then it's four years after that to be a GP. And reflexologists can train in under a year Mm. or around a year. I mean, it's Mm. pushing, it's a luck, but in in Mm. a year, but... uh, 
yeah so i mean there, there has to be some sort of skepticism there as to um except if you're not doing any harm you know you can't do any harm really with reflexology on the whole can you really no um no. There are, there are only a few contraindications, aren't there, to doing reflexology. So, I think. And some people actually say there are none at all. Yeah. Um, it depends how you were trained in the first place, I suspect, as mm. to, as to mm. what you actually think. But no, if you if you know what you're doing and you do it correctly, then you're not going to do any harm. No. Whereas in medicine, if you didn't do all that training, um, you could do harm by doing things, you know, wrongly or yeah. incorrectly. Yeah. So, yeah. You were talking about women's health. Is there any specific area that you feel would be of interest? In particular, I would say the menopausal women, because they're often at the peak of their careers. They're juggling lots of balls in, in the air and they're at a point where they're feeling absolutely overwhelmed, jaded. The hot flushes mm. are keeping them awake throughout the night. The brain isn't working. They can't remember things. Um, so they all come in saying they've got this brain fog. And I just... I mean, yes, HRT can be great, but it isn't for everybody. That's if you can get it. And that is the other problem, is that I've had so so many phone calls because women just can't, we just can't get hold of the HRTs that we need at the moment because the manufacturers didn't make enough. And um, because things have changed in the World Health Organisation, we're basically saying it was a lot safer to use HRT than, than it was. Um, lots of GPs were using it, so we have run out of it. But having said that, reflexology, I think, is just so important in terms of helping with the, I mean, it's the irrational irrational behaviour, the anxiety. I've had so many women come in saying that they just got totally anxious about just ridiculous things that they've never worried about before. Um, and I just think that, you know, rather than taking medication, reflexology is so good at helping the sleep pattern. And if they can get the sleep pattern back, then they don't feel so anxious. Um, it can help with the anxiety um, and the hormone changes. So, you know, it just it, it ticks all the boxes, really. Oh, it's funny you should say that. When if somebody comes to me and they have several things that, that that are going on, I mean you're allowed to have more than one thing, aren't you? At the same yep. time, I guess. If one of them is sleep, if you can deal with that, everything else falls everything into else place. Everything else falls into yeah. place. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, sleep is just the one thing that I don't think we realise how important it is. Mm. You know, you go on. I mean, I was probably. Not, not yeah a bit sleep deprived for about two years before and perimenopausal before I actually thought do you know what you know this is just not you know start on HRT and wow and and reflexology and I just felt so much better mm. so much better really with the combination that's good um, thanks for the endorsement there yeah <laughs> <laughs> when you say earlier about the time involved in one thing another normal day what on earth do you do to relax exercise um it's important to me to to i mean i if i haven't done some form of exercise on alternate days then i start feeling a bit twitchy <laughs> and i feel much much better um you know hubby will often say when i come in from work i think you need to just go off and do your exercise and then <laughs> then you can come and sit and have your meal um, and it's true you know you can just feel so wound up and tense that you just have to um you know either explode or go and do some exercise yeah. so exercise is really important my reflexology is really important um and um just started having um like a sports massage sports therapy oh, yeah. Yeah. um yeah. for all the aches and pains from the exercise i do <laughs> so um and that that actually makes you know that makes me feel better too really so yeah Lots of things that you can do, but it's actually but putting I, them into yes, your I mean, day. 
you say that it's a tense day, understandably. How on earth do you actually go from one patient to another without becoming too involved? It's a very difficult thing, I I think it's a skill you have to learn because otherwise you you wouldn't survive, really. Yeah, I, I can't really answer that one. It's just something that you... Yeah, exercise is my kind of my kind of get out really is the way I kind of just and music, actually having music on really loud. So, you know, um, the life coach talks about you kind know, of going to to work and putting on music that makes you feel really bright and happy, but also making sure that you you kind of um, try and zone out on the way home as well. So actually having music that um, you can sing along to, or you know, all those kind of things. Really, I mean, singing singing is a good you know, even though I can't sing, actually doing the ironing and having the music on really loud, or actually you know, is a good way. Is that of, to drown out the singing? Yes, <laughs> so I can't hear myself singing, so I just have it really loud. Um, but yeah, they're all way, all sorts of ways, aren't they? Really, and and we've got a good teamwork, yeah, you know, a good network at, at work. So you, you know, you just go and have a hug with the, with your, your colleague. Yeah, really, you yeah. just say, oh, I've just had such an awful day. So we tend to have what I mean, we call it an open door policy, but we actually do try and keep our doors open. I mean, unless you're you're consulting um, or you need privacy for for a phone consultation, um, but otherwise we try and have our doors open so that there's always somebody going past saying, do you want a cup of tea? Or if you go up to make a cup of tea, you make it for for other people as well. So I think communication and and, um, yeah, just, just being with your mates really yeah. um, helps. I totally understand what you're saying because networking um, one to another is, is very important for complementary therapists because it's a very isolated thing. Not many people actually work within a clinic where there are other people, so mm. they're working at home or they're going to go and see clients at home. Mm. So they never actually get to talk to anybody of, of, of a similar mind and knowing, knowing what's going on, mm. um, which is very important for things like Facebook and so on where people can chat. Mm. It's yeah, a good way of sharing good. experiences, yeah, isn't yeah, it, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, good way of learning. That's good. Okay, so just a, a little final question, Julie. How do you see complementary therapies and reflexology in particular in another 10 years? I would hope that within the next five years, we'll actually have our building up and running um, with complementary therapies at the surgery. And I would hope, yeah, that maybe within 10 years, we'd have moved on a considerable amount in terms of a lot more people being less sceptical, um, a lot more medics being less sceptical about reflexology and complementary therapy. Good, good. We hope so. Yeah. Julie, thank you ever so much for coming today. Pleasure. It's, it's been really interesting. That's great. Thank, thank you. you. Well, that was such an interesting listen. It's great to hear Dr Boone's take on how reflexology and complementary therapies can be integrated more into traditional medical care. Thanks so much to Julia for joining us and the very best of luck to her and her team at Saxon Spires in Northamptonshire for the future. All of the information on this episode has been posted to www.professionalreflexology.org forward slash podcast. That's where you'll also find all of our social media tags. We regularly post on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, so do give us a follow on those. As always, we would love to hear your feedback, comments and suggestions. And we'll be back very soon with another episode.